0: find ways that lights you up and gives you that joy in whatever you want to do and with that element you can also test it out again going back to prototyping test it out it doesn't have to be career it can be your side hustle test it out first and sometimes when you test this out and it makes your heart sing and makes you so joyful it then has a cascading effect to how you perform at work you become um, a more interesting person. Hi, this is Janice,
1: and I'm Sarah N.
0: And we're your
2: host for Explore This, a podcast for the modern day working professional.
1: Each week, we explore actionable insights on how you can thrive personally and professionally. In today's episode, we're very excited to be speaking to Zalina Jamaludin. Zalina is the Chief Operating Officer at C Hibiscus, a subsidiary of Hibiscus Petroleum Berhad, which is Malaysia's listed independent oil and gas exploration and production company. She has more than 20 over years in the public as well as private sector, mostly in the oil and gas industry, but also in the higher education industry, where she was previously the Chief Business Development Officer at the Asia School of Business, a business school in collaboration between Malaysia Central Bank and MIT Sloan. Thanks very much for joining us on today's podcast,
0: Alina. Thank you, Sarah, and thanks, Janice, for inviting me to this podcast. I'm very excited, actually, to share some of the stories and also to hear from both of you. Really great to be here. Thanks.
2: We're super excited and actually what you may not know about Zalina is that in addition to her being a COO, an energy enthusiast, a women leadership advocate and basically an all round leader in a corporate world, she also moonlights as an aspiring artist which is tied to the inspiration behind her blog Zalina Canvas where she views her life as a blank canvas and she's the artist that designed her life's canvas. So we're so excited to have you on the show.
0: Oh, so nice of you, thanks, you Jenny. <laughs>
1: So Zelina, your career journey is one that is considerably unconventional, first starting out in oil and gas and then pivoting to higher education where we met you and then back to oil and gas again now in April 2021, so very recently. And for our listeners who don't know you, could you share briefly your journey of how you first started out in oil and gas and then making the decision to pivot out and then coming back?
0: Sure, sure. I'll be happy to. Thanks, Sarah. So basically, um, in a short one minute, I'll try to summarize a very colorful career journey. I started out as an engineer in uh, Exxonmobil, Malaysia. So that's how I started out in oil and gas because I was actually a scholar. And of course, I had to serve my bond for five years. And the five years became 11 years. Within that space of 11 years, I did quite a lot of uh, Various different things, very technical, and also as a team leader in most of the role that I had. And then after a while, you started asking questions, what's there out there? And that's when I was actually invited to apply to this role um, doing national service. So at that time, maybe you guys were too young to remember. I don't know, but we had an economic transformation program. So I thought, okay, why not to serve in the government for a while? under the oil and gas sector. So that's what I did. Uh, I was the VP of the new outfit, MPRC, which is a kind of a Pupandu offshoot of uh, oil and gas. So it was two years and that was actually an eye-opening experience for me because that's when I saw and get the glimpse of what talent is all about, right? And from there, I thought, oh, what else can I do? There was no other opportunities at that time. And I, I went back to oil and gas as a commercial advisor. And then... When the oil price was going so high, and and I was at the height of my career, and I there was some call in my heart, and I was just like, oh, there's, there's something more. And I think I don't know whether I never told both of you, but it was over a weekend that I actually met a friend of mine. Uh, and she was a Harvard graduate, and she was supposed to join ESB. And she said, no, there's this new school. Would you like to just have a chat with Professor Feynman? Which I said, No, a chat is a chat, it's fine. So and that weekend was uh, kind of to me was I guess it's historic (laughs) milestone because I've been thinking about it actually I've been thinking about what else can I do with my career because I it felt empty at that point because it was like okay you kind of what's my passion at which we will go in this conversation later yeah so and then fast forward I was in ASB and then after five years there's a reason why I joined ASB which I can cover later and but basically it's about finding my passion Right. And like, okay, if I like talent so much, what can what can I do? And then I think in engineers, linear minds, education. So I I did that. And after five years, I thought I actually really want to go back in the energy industry. That's where I grew up. And that's what I want to contribute in the energy transition. This is where the trend is gonna be, this is where it's much needed. And here I am as a CEO of Sea Hibiscus. Your career trajectory has been so colourful and on
2: that note of passion, it's something that we really want to deep dive into a little bit more. We're sure you've had a lot of um, insights and kind of reflections on this very popular, sometimes overly romanticised mantra where people give advice and we always tell people who just start out in their careers to follow your passion. And given that we spend a lot of our waking hours at work, it's true that it might be a tragedy to devote so much time to something that you end up not being too passionate about. But at the same time, the reality is that a lot of people right now don't know what they love to do. And even if they know it, it may not transfer into a viable career option for them. So from what you mentioned about passion earlier and following your passion, can you share with us some of your thoughts around it?
0: Thanks, Janice. And... <laughs> Can I just be the first one to admit that I fell into that trap? I don't regret any of the career journey that I've had, but I did fall into that mindset of, okay, I want to try this, I want to try that because I haven't found my passion. And at one point, I felt so guilty of not finding that passion. And I realized, look, you know, where is that one passion? And I think when we are so myopic in that quest for that one passion... In my case, I ended up not enjoying the journey itself and not also realizing that I can actually have many passions or many interests. It would open up a lot more opportunity if I actually try to weave and connect them together, right? Rather than just finding that one thing. Yeah, so I actually did fall into that trap. I and mean, firstly, that's just my first confession. And then secondly, it's also about What I've learned in the space of 20 odd years, that sometimes we actually get more interested as we get good or better at things that we do. You actually get more enjoyment out of the the career, the role that you do, which not a lot of people talk about it. But I, I, I just want to expand that because there's some merit to it. Okay, so for those who actually found passion good for you. Right. And I really want to cheer you up and celebrate you. But for people 30% like me who kind of tried so hard and then not finding one. And I realizing that at the end of that, every milestone, I guess I do a lot of reflection of my career, right? At each milestone, I realized, hey, actually, at the end of the grueling five years or 10 years of building solid foundation, a solid technical skill, a solid competency that I begin to like that. And it was out of nowhere, right? And why do I want to kind of hammer myself so hard? Actually, yes, I maybe I might not have found one passion. I'd rather say interest, right? Interest and just the, the excitement that I have when I can do the work or do the, whatever career that I have at that point. So I just wanted to make sure that it's okay. Yeah. So, so the, now the tight line is it's okay not to have passion. Let's explore and also build that competency so that to me, it matters because as you build certain career, uh, that really helps you as you build in because we always overlay all these foundations on top of each other. And as we weave in into the next role and the skill sets and the transferable skills, those really, really help us and it really does open the door. I'm sure both of you have seen that count Janice and
1: I in that 30% of oh, yeah. population that might not necessarily have found our passions, but more of like we're always about experimenting and exploring. And mm-hmm. I think we'll speak even more about that later. I think one of the things you mentioned that I just wanted to double tap on is this worry that young professionals like Janice and myself might have that there's this indoctrinated belief that the only road to success and happiness is the Unwavering pursuit of this self identified and well defined passion, which is the myth that we're trying to debunk at the end of the day. So, the age old axiom of do what you love and then you'll never have to work a day in your life is something that we hear very often as well. But again, touching on the fact that when we begin chasing that elusive passion, sometimes it makes us very tunnel vision. And you spoke a little bit about this of how we need to really expand our peripheral vision and not be so myopic about following that passion. Mm-hmm. because if we do that, not only is that an advice that might be flawed, but to some extent, it can also be considered detrimental. So in that case, Zelina, can you share with us how you think we should start looking at the building blocks of our career?
0: Mm. And this is an interesting question because for the longest time, I couldn't really figure it out because, again, we're all learner of our life. And again, as Janice mentioned earlier, the early part of the this podcast that I'm an artist. So as an artist, you kind of wonder and experiment and just enjoy as you go along and sometimes pick up a few things that make the art beautiful, right? So what I found are the two really good elements that helped me define and at least be okay with my career choice at that point of time. So the two things are really making sure that whatever role that I do are aligned with my values. Okay, so this one is no-brainer, right? I mean, we talk about values because at the end of the day, we all have some values that we really, really hold strong to. And we want to show up at work wholeheartedly as a whole person, right? So we don't want those to clash. So the values, I think we all kind of know that. The second part, which I guess happily stumbled upon is the feelings, like what kind of feelings that I want to connect with when I show up at work every day. When I say every day, it is really every day because when I wake up in the morning, I meditate and I just reflect and I set my intention and say, today I want to be able to connect with my team Now things like that. So I actually set this, what kind of feelings that I want. And this epiphany actually kind of strange, but it's a bit more spiritual because I actually found it when um, I was to the the Umrah in in Mecca. And I think at the end of the routine and I was just walking around and I guess I was not thinking about anything and And one thing just there's this, the whisper to me said that what you want is blessing in your life and I was like okay so what is blessing? So define blessing <laughs> like, define blessing because blessing to you and me are different right and, and I felt that oh actually blessing is the feel of peace mm. the feel of contentment okay and then I was like I went searching and searching again as a bookworm. I went into uh, reading up positive psychology and all this Martin Seligman's work. And I found oh, actually there is a good, strong theory behind this and about how you want to embed and um, anchor your feelings every day. And I think this is not just limited to work, but also I think life in general, right? Like how you want to show up every day as a person and I think uh, those two are really nice because I strive to be a whole person rather than just Zalina the COO when I go to work or Zalina the mother as she does her own her second shift (laughs) or the third shift or Zalina the coach as she does the fourth shift so I felt that having these two elements being integrated together is a beautiful way of like a nice package for me to just show up every day as a person being at work or also outside work. I'm just curious actually in
2: terms of thinking about the values that you want to have at work and how you want to show up at work every day how did this journey come about was there a particular trigger point and was it out of experiences in the past that led you to feel that okay I need to start showing up at work with the intention set in the morning tell, yeah. tell us
0: more about that. Yeah. So for me, I've always been, I guess, a learner. So things don't come to me in a nice package. So as a learner, I, mean, I guess as a person, as a human, things don't come to us in a manual, right? <laughs> so I've learned over time. I have to say that it's at least for the last 10 years that it got accelerated because at one point I was so, you remember when I said I was very, em- I felt very empty right there. So that was 2015, so about seven years. Yeah. And it just felt like, oh, there's something missing. I didn't know what it was. And so and when I had that feeling, I listened to it. So some of us ignored it, but I listened to it. And I said, okay, this is so painful. Don't know what. Okay. And then I thought I'm going to need a coach. So that was one of the things that mm-hmm. I talked earlier about my interest in talent because I had a coach. And from that coaching experience, I actually learned so much uh, about myself and I think things come to you as you uh, practice all these meditations, and and things kind of just come together. I, I, so the key to me is reflection. So the reflection and asking the right question. Because what I learned through coaching is that my coaches, so I guess I have four or five coaches actually, at one point asking me the right question, and I said the right question because the question that I don't dare to ask myself, and because. Of that painful process, I would say painful because if you've never been coached, it was not a pleasant experience for the first time because I was not that courageous to face, to having that mirror and to reflect back at myself and reflect. I'm an engineer again, going back to the engineer (laughs) slash artist. Yeah. I want to have a fun way of looking at things, but also a structured way of solving problems so I tried to marry those two so I did that one step at a time as you do that you get better Mm. and and that was why I thought if I benefited from a coach I want to be a coach and that's why I thought okay I'm going to go and join ASB because I wanted to actually do something but I don't dare to jump in opening up my own coaching business but now that I have my coaching certificate and I realized congrats (laughs) yeah and I realized hey actually, I don't have to be a coach to be back. I don't have to open my own business because I can talk to you all and I can still impart some of these things, right? And and from there, I realized, okay, so that's the next uh, tips, right? From a career perspective, how do you distill things that you like? Because sometimes in our flawed assumptions, we actually think in our head that I want to be, in my case, I want to be a coach because I think I like this, 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 right? But as I try and, okay, so that's the part where I think I tried and I didn't completely quit my job and become a coach for the, you know, for the past few years. I kind of prototyped that and that is the one that the book, I like I have this book, this is pretty cool book. So designing, oh, yeah. <laughs> designing uh, your life book, right? So, so it asks you to prototype and I did that. And from that prototype, you kind of distill what are those elements that make you light up. But mm. heart flutters and make you feel joyful in your career, right because you all, at one point you all want to experience joy, so I realized after testing those things and actually I really did coaching session with a few people, and I realized, oh actually, what I like is I like to uncover a person's potential, so when I want to uncover the person's potential, I get personal satisfaction seeing this person grow and By that definition, I don't have to be a coach. I can still be a COO because now I get to actually drive the impact of, I don't know how many people in the organization that I've touched their lives and it's still okay. So actually it kind of boils down to like this big nebulous idea of passion. And then I kind of break it down and said, okay, I want to be aligned to values and my feeling and from that feeling, what are those elements that can create that joy
2: We want to actually explore that concept of prototyping a bit more because that's something that you just discussed. And in B-School, when we talk about prototyping, it seems very design and product-oriented. It's like designers trying, failing, and iterating. But as you mentioned earlier, you can also prototype your own career and your life as well. So this is a concept that was um, inspired by the amazing Designing Your Life book by Dave Evans and Bill Burnett. It's something that we found very interesting and and really relevant as well. But maybe you can explain to our listeners a bit more of the specific ways that you have done career prototyping and what are some of your
0: learnings? So I started prototyping with before I read the book. If I had read the book before, and if I can rewind, I would probably tell myself that, okay, let's distill what is that part of yearning or that coaching element that, that you think you like. But I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. So we, we always say that we would know what the answer is at the end after we tried everything, right? But let's say if slightly less bumpy way of doing it, if in prototyping would be, let's list down things that you, your interest, what lights you up. And then we can start plotting who the people we want to talk to. So you kind of save that heartache from doing it yourself. But it depends on your learning style for me i still want to go in and dive in and do myself right so that fortunately, that's just who i am but if you are a bit more i would say less risk averse type of person and want to do that you can still prototype right prototype by asking questions mm-hmm. by asking this big more reflections and also volunteer okay so volunteer is something that i should have thought about it but i didn't but okay that's fine and and it's a way it's I would say it's a safer way to do it. And another way for me is I also like to you know, do speaking engagement and stuff. I don't think that's something that I want to do all the time for financial reward, but just out of interest and I guess passion in this case. So get yourself in that group so that you learn together and you learn how that life is. So to speak, there are many safe routes that you can test. If you're like me, I mean, go jump in into the deep end and just do it works too. It comes with some rewards and some challenges, but at the end of the day, what's life without challenges and interesting things that happen, right? So I think in my case, I was quite confident that if I fail in this path, I have another path to choose. So that's another part that you really need to think about because sometimes if you prototype and you feel the fear that will stop you from doing that, right? So how do you then mitigate the fear? So you have to ask yourself. How do you want to address those things? So in my case, I was quite confident that, look, if this this doesn't work out, I can always go back to energy industry if it doesn't work out because that's something that I know. And lo and behold, uh, for me, it it was uh, an experience where I actually understand more what I want going into the unbeaten path, but basically it's something different than what other people would go for.
1: This journey that you've taken of doing this whole mini career prototyping sounded like it was something very rewarding and so many discoveries were made along the way. Maybe you could share with us along with those discoveries, I'm sure you might have also discovered certain things you didn't like, which is also an important part of the discovery process. Share with us a little bit of what that discovery of things you didn't like showed you.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so this is the second lesson that I learned from reading another book, which is What Color Is Your Parachute? One thing uh, that book was great at is giving structure and framework and how you want to bucket your skill sets and what you're good at. You kind of draw your flowers and your parachutes. The second part that I thought was important is what type of people you want to surround yourself with. And it was quite interesting for me because... I didn't realize I actually like to surround myself with technical people. I know it sounds a bit dorky, but. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I realized it's not anyone's fault, but it's just your preference, right? So some people like to be with entrepreneurs. Some people like to be with artists. But I like to be with technical people. It was weird. And I was like, why, huh? So those conscious things came out through that process. And, and I think you only learn after you do certain things. And in my case, testing out things that I wasn't sure. I know I like doing something like big picture, trying to connect the dots. And I realized because of that, I don't like to do all these details. And because of that, I've also come to realize that, hey, I don't like to do that and if I get into a certain role that requires me to do that, I can delegate. So those are the things that I've learned along the way. Not many are simple. Some are quite painful, I would say, because if you look at a typical engineer or typical C-suites in the energy industry, this person, chances are, have been in that industry for 30 years doing the same thing. And then comes Alina, who has a a very colourful career profile. And that's exactly what I want to be known as. And I don't have regrets. And and I think that because of that, people remember me as somebody who has done many things and then they also try to tap and leverage on some of these different perspectives as well. And that's what I bring into the table and I am okay with that. So I think the key with all of us, as we go explore, I like your the name of your podcast, Explore, right? As we explore, but we also act and take action, put down all these lessons learned through our reflection, through our journaling and kind of build that as we go along. So <laughs> what I've learned is If I keep making the same mistake, it's not very clever. And it's important to make that reflection. And I realized at some point where I was so stuck uh, because I wasn't sure. There's some feeling of, okay, am I really contributing? I know that's not right, but I wasn't sure what else I can do. So there was that tussle of conflict, I would say. And then I could tell that my journal was just going, it's the same thing. So you're kind of ruminating it. That's when you need either something to reset either, you know, a coach or, or in my case, I just thought, okay, I'm just going to take a break. Right. One thing I learned when I got stuck, I asked a completely 180 degrees question. So what can I learn out of this? It became a habit for me. If I get stuck and then I asked, what can I learn out of this? It opened up a completely different perspective. So I would hope that that also would be the question you all ask when you are stuck.
1: Zalina. it sounds to me like you're somebody who is very sort of self-aware and you mentioned this a lot of times, right? How important reflection is in your personal as well as professional life. And one of the things I personally learned, and I think I read this quote somewhere, um, well, someone wise on the internet, I suppose, said this, that lessons are learned not from the experiences that you've been through, but by the reflection on the experiences you've been through. Because if it's just purely on the experiences, but you don't actually take time to pause and reflect on it, then is there really a lesson that you learn? So it sounds like it's something that you do very often, that reflective journey. My question to you is, what is a reflection in terms of a difficult leadership lesson that you have learned?
0: Mm, So I learned, this one is even until today, I have learned that a leader does not have a power over their people. It doesn't come with the position. And people think that, wow, if you have a title, then you have a um, power over somebody or I can tell this person off. And what I've learned is that how you make the person feels is what you will be remembered as, as a leader, not what you ask this person to do. So I, I use that as a reminder for myself and it helps me ground it a bit more and not Get my head so big because of the title, because it's easy to get sucked into the position of power and the title. Yeah, it, it really does. Because I have seen this when in my previous other roles, in many other roles before, uh, when I was in the government, I saw that <laughs> it happens a lot. This was
2: also a quote that I've heard
0: recently. Like people don't remember
2: what you do for them or what you say to them, but they remember how you make them feel. So yes. that's that's a great reflection, and I think. Whatever level that you're at, whether you're a COO or whether you're a junior executive or a manager, it applies to all of us, right? How we treat each other in the workplace and outside of the workplace as well. So that's certainly a very valuable advice for all of us listening to this.
1: I also have a question for you, which is what is your actionable advice For our listeners who may be frustrated with their pursuit of the almighty passion, coming back to what we were talking about earlier in this episode.
0: So the first would be never give up. It's not all, and it's not a panacea, right? It's not all. And secondly would be find ways that lights you up and gives you that joy in whatever you want to do. And with that element, you can also test it out. Again, going back to prototyping, test it out. It doesn't have to be career. It can be your side hustle, right? Test it out first. And sometimes when you test this out and it makes your heart sing and it makes you so joyful, it then has a cascading effect to how you perform at work, right? You become a, a more interesting person. So those two things are the one that I definitely will recommend
2: right That's the beauty of prototyping right it doesn't have to be a full on you know career pivot switch immediately it can be low risk small activities that you do on the side as you mentioned a side hustle that could be something that help you discover eventually what is it that truly makes your heart sing what is it that you perceive to be your life's calling so we thank you so much for that insight as we're coming towards the wrap up of our episode we always leave our listeners with this question What's the one thing you've recently explored that surprised you?
0: Okay, I know what. (laughs) I am right now exploring how to rewire my brain. (laughs) Tell us more about that. Oh my god, this is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, we are all in this pandemic and all this mental health thing uh, keeps creeping out, right? So at one point, I was quite affected by it last year, I would say. Because it's just you hit the grind and I really like to learn the tricks and how to be supernatural. So so I actually read a book. I haven't finished the book yet, but I've also been listening to similar topics and how you want to amp up the meditation practice. So I've learned something that is so fascinating that you can actually change your wiring just by imagining the emotions that you want to feel you can actually trick your brain into doing that by doing certain meditation, by doing certain things. So I've been practicing that for a week now. Okay, so it's very new and it has worked so far. So we'll see, we'll see. Ask me next one, one. Love it. Thank you both, Janice and Sarah. So I wish you all luck for you know, great, great more episodes. If you've stuck around to the end of this
1: episode, we want to say thank you for exploring with us.